This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. That God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So we actually have this state of existence in our relationship with God that we actually want to move to experience, that we want to experience God's healing, that we want to experience God's wholeness. Just as an example, you know, I've heard um, sometimes people jokingly say they've been married, you know, for so many years, uh, you know, my wife and I celebrated our 22nd uh, wedding anniversary yesterday, but some people will jokingly say, you know, I've been married for 30 years, 10 of them happily. Now, not us. We have 22 years. We're 22 for 22. Uh, except that first year, you know, it's like, uh, and then maybe year seven, I don't know what happened. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we, we have this uh, state of existence and then we have a state of experience. You know, we, if you have children, you know, you love your children and you, you know, you always say you love your children. And then, you know, depending on how they act, you know, it's like, I'm not sure that I feeling, you know, if you got teenagers, it's kind of like 50, 50, like, you know, you're supposed to love them because God says you have to love them and God is love. And then, but you know, sometimes these, these people that you give birth to or your wife give birth to is like, you know, they're, they start to act out your deficiencies in front of you. And you're like, how did you learn that? And then, so you know that you're supposed to love them, but then we want to experience this love. And it's the same way with the things that God gives us, blessed us with all spiritual blessings. So everything we need for life, everything we need uh, to live a victorious life is been given to us in Christ. So do we, do, we just don't want to have a state of existence. We want to have a state of experience. And specifically today, I want to talk about the idea or the subject of peace. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn over to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. And our starting place here today as it relates to peace is peace and our, as, as it relates to our relationship with God. Romans 5, 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this very first step, as far as not just knowing about peace, but experiencing it, is this relationship with God that God has given to us in Christ. How do we achieve peace with God? How do I have a relationship with God? Is it me being a religious person? Is it me being a really good person? Um, And I'll do this and I'll do this, and then finally God will accept me into his good graces. No, that peace with God has been achieved through Jesus. So our very first step with God is knowing that we have this peace. We are not um, at enmity, the King James says, or we're not enemies with God, that we are actually in good relationship with God. We're at peace together. We're in a good relationship. So we don't just want to have, though, that state of existence between us and God, that we should actually want to experience peace in our lives. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're going to have tribulation, Jesus is saying. Now this isn't a promise that we're going to confess or something that we actually want, but Jesus is just telling us, and we know this is true, that we're going to have difficulties in the world that we're living in. But Jesus says, 
um, in me, you are going to have peace. So we can have lots of things going on around us, but Jesus wants us to have his peace on the inside of us, not just a state of existence, but a state of experience. Now, the word peace just means, and I love these definitions, peace just means calm, inner tranquility. Is anyone a Seinfeld fan out there? You remember the Seinfeld episode, Serenity Now. Serenity is a good way to describe peace, that we would have calm on the inside of us. There's going to be stuff going around and going on all around us all of the time. We live in a broken world. We live in a difficult world. Relationships are hard. Our jobs are hard. School is hard. All these different things. But Jesus is saying, hey, in me, you can have peace. And this is what we want to talk about today. And this is what we want to emphasize this peace that God wants us to experience in our lives. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 53, and we're going to look at the great uh, redemption chapter in the Old Testament. Isaiah, who's a prophet in the Old Testament, who's looking forward to uh, what's going to happen on the cross with Jesus. Now, he's not, he doesn't, he's not seeing the actual cross or what Jesus is going through, but he is seeing, as he sees into the Spirit, as it were, what is going to be accomplished when Jesus dies on the cross for you and me. So it's this great spiritual understanding of what we see as it relates to our redemption. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says this, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form nor majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men. So we know this is true. When Jesus was tortured and whipped um, at the crucifixion or before the crucifixion, all of these things happened. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep having gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like the sheep that is before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And I can still remember one of my Bible school instructors telling us as he read this, Jesus didn't open his mouth at the time of the crucifixion so that we could actually open our mouths and say something about our redemption. So we see this great exchange going on here as Isaiah looks forward into what's going to be happening on the cross, that Jesus is taking a bunch of stuff and then giving us a bunch of other stuff in its place, grief and sorrow, and then he's giving us healing. And then specifically, we want to focus on today from verse 5, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So the punishment Jesus took actually gives us peace. Now, one of the things that we remember about the crucifixion, that as the soldiers, uh, the Roman soldiers were mocking Jesus and whipping him and getting ready uh, to put him on the cross, that they took a bunch of thorns and as they were mocking him and saying, oh, here's the king of the Jews, 
they made a, a, a crown of thorns and they took it and they jammed it into his skull and so all the blood ran down. But all of these thorns, you know, uh, represent to us in our lives thoughts that we would face. And if you think about, as Jesus described there in John, you know, things that go on, tribulation and difficulty, a lot of times those thoughts and difficulties and struggles come at us, at our mind or at our thought life, like thorns. In other words, we don't enjoy them. It's something difficult. It's a struggle. But Jesus and the scripture is telling us here that he took the punishment of our peace was upon him. He actually gives us peace. Not just, not just something that we want as uh, it exists, that it's true in our redemption, that this, that has been provided for us, but he actually wants us to experience peace in the middle of of tribulation. Now, a lot of times we think about uh, peace, the antithesis of peace would be war. And so we think, well, I'm either in a situation of war or I'm in a situation of peace. But the scripture is not describing it like that. It's showing us to that simultaneously with tribulation and difficulty, God's peace is there for us to experience. So we don't have to have an absence of war or an absence of difficulty or an absence of tribulation to experience God's peace. They can actually go on simultaneously. And we actually need it at that time. We need it in those moments when the thorns are coming at our thought life. When something that we actually didn't want, we experience. There's something that we actually don't want to meditate on or think about just keeps coming at our mind. It keeps coming at our mind. In those moments, God actually wants us to experience peace. The scripture says about Jesus that he is the prince of peace, the prince of calm, or the prince of tranquility, serenity for our hearts. Man, and we all desire this. We all want this in our lives. There's always stuff going on. And, and, and in our lives, if we are going to be sending our emotions um, to, to go with the circumstances in our lives, you know, the circumstances of our lives are like waves. They're up and down and up and down, up and down. And if on the inside of us, we're always sending our, our emotions up and down, up and down, and our peace is here and then it's gone, then it's here and then it's gone, it's here, it's a little bit exhausting. And, and we could all testify, we could all say at different times in our lives when we, we faced a bunch of stuff, it's just, oh, it's hard and it's, it's almost like knots on the inside of you. All of these things coming at our mind. But God doesn't just want us to know that peace exists. He wants us to experience his peace. There's a story in the New Testament about two sisters, Mary and Martha, and we could turn over there and read it uh, in Luke chapter 10. So we have these two sisters, and Jesus has a little bit of an interaction with them here, starting in verse 38 of Luke 10. It says, Now they went on their way. Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? Tell her to help me. Typical sibling action there, right? Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So here's this experience that Jesus has with these two sisters. Now, the oldest one is called Martha. 
And Martha is like Martha Stewart. She is like the ultimate hostess, and she's getting stuff ready for Jesus, and she's preparing stuff, and her younger sibling just doesn't care. She's just going to sit there with Jesus. So Martha Stewart is there, and she's trying to prepare a good thing in the kitchen for Jesus. So she's in there, you know, with her Vitamix, trying to prepare a healthy smoothie for Jesus, and it's loud, and it's, you know, she can't hear Jesus' teaching, and so she's in there getting more and more frustrated at her little sister who's not coming to help. Then Jesus says to her, you know, aren't you troubled? You're troubled with much serving. Now, the idea is Jesus is not anti-serving here in this story. That she's got a bunch of things going on with her serving that it can become anxious. Now, I don't know what uh, type of, you know, host you are whenever you're having friends over. You know, some people, they're like, they don't care about the state of their house. And they're just like, ah, come on over. And um, my wife is not like that. And, uh, you know... We don't, have any, we don't have too many guests at our house a lot of times, but a couple years ago, um, we, had, we had some friends in town, and uh, I, I can't remember the exact details of the story, but I know I messed up, so that's the big part of it, um, that we were so, I was somewhere with them, and my wife and the girls were at home, and I had this really good idea. I thought it was a good idea. I'm like, hey, come on over to our house. Uh, instead of going back to the hotel, we can hang out for a little bit. So, um, and I heard all of these details, you know, later that when I texted my wife, we were about 20 minutes away from our house, that, you know, my, if, if, there, if my wife had a trumpet, she would have blown the trumpet and said, okay, everybody get it, we've got stuff to do, we've got guests coming over. So, you know, they got out the, the vacuum cleaner, and every, we had a bunch of stuff in our front area, and they took all of the stuff upstairs, and they had this, this frantic activity of getting the kitchen clean. And I'm just driving peacefully, with my friends, we're laughing it up and, you know, having a great old time. And um, in those moments, you know, I'm just glad that I can experience my wife's thoughts as like blows to my head because it would have been a lot of blows to my head in those moments. But, you know, it was one of those times where they took everything upstairs, like all of the extra junk and all the extra shoes. And so, you know, when you, when you have guests over sometimes that you maybe you might take them on a tour of the house, you know, one of those things. And so when we got to the house, Nicole's like, you can't take them upstairs <laughs> because they had just thrown everything upstairs. And, and so, it, you know, when we host people, here's good husbandly advice. Don't either get permission or don't do it or something, or don't do what I did. Okay. Um, Anyway, but it's good to be a good host, but you don't want to be anxious and you don't want to be fretting over these things. And this is what Jesus was saying to Martha. Not that, not that serving is a bad thing. Martha, you're distracted with much serving. And she, you know, he's, Lord, don't you care that my sister, tell her to help me. But listen to verse 41. You are, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Do you ever feel like that? this going on and this going on and this going on but then jesus says something about her sister mary but one thing is necessary mary has chosen the good portion which is shall be not taken from her what was the thing that she chose she sat at jesus feet so we don't want to live an anxious life. We don't want to live a fretting life, a difficult life, turning our, side, our insides around and churning around on the inside. That what Jesus is saying, that we can experience peace when we, metaphorically, we could sit at his feet. That we're sitting, and in this, as opposed to just trying to not think about those things, 
as opposed to not try, oh, this, I don't want to think about that, and I don't want to think about that. And we've all done this test at, at different times. You know, if someone says you don't think about a pink elephant, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? A pink elephant. So you, you actually can't achieve that by not thinking about something. You actually have to try to think about something else. And so what God is telling us here in these verses, that he wants us to focus our attention, our mind on him, the prince of peace. Because we're always going to have the choice. Because there's always going to be issues that we're facing. The question is for us, will we choose peace? Now, I made a list here of issues, and you can maybe add to it uh, on your own in, in your own life. So here's a list of issues that we face. We have health issues. We have marriage issues. We have singleness issues. We have kid issues. We've got parent issues. We've got job issues, co-worker issues, boss issues, employee issues, commuting issues, car issues, political issues, governmental issues, economic issues, paying our bills issues, investing issues, saving issues, uh, Men issues, and if you're in my shoes, you have women issues. Now, when I say that, I don't have issues with women. I love women, okay? I just have a lot of women in my life, and they're all telling me what to do. So I have women issues, environmental issues in the world that we live in. There's hunger issues. There's disease issues. There's war issues. There's instability. There's world issues. Now, that's a list that I made quickly, and we could all add to that. In the middle of all of that, the question is, will we choose peace instead of just having the issue come on the inside of us? Because we can always choose. We can always choose this is happening, and this is happening, and this is happening. But in those moments, God doesn't just want us to know that peace is there and it's available, that he actually wants us to experience his peace in a real way. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule. How are we going to let the peace of God rule in our lives? The secret there is at the end of the verse. And be thankful. See, all of those issues that I listed, we could all, we could all have ter- tremendously long discussions and we could all offer opinions on either side of all of those things, those world issues that we're facing, which are real things. And we can, we can run our emotions back and forth and back and forth and up and down. And, and a lot of times we, we can't even solve all of these things. The, the, the smartest people in the world can't solve all of these issues. But how are we going to experience the peace of God, which the scripture is telling us, let it rule. Let it be in charge of the inside of you. It says, and be thankful. We know that there's issues. We know that there's stuff. But in those moments, are we choosing to be thankful for the good things that we have in our lives? Are we choosing to be thankful for the people in our lives who do the things, all the simple things? All of the things they always do. Whether it's, you know, the stuff in our house, whether it's cooking and cleaning or taking out the garbage. I need credit for that. Uh, what, that's kind of like, that's like the one main thing I do, right? And then, so there's all these things and people are doing all of these things all of the time for you. And they're always there and they're always available for you. Are we thankful to those people 
for just the monotony of life. Because we can always choose to look at the negative, and it's there, and we can complain, and we can discuss, and we can be angry. But the scripture is telling us, let the peace of God rule, because we actually want calm. We want tranquility. How are we going to achieve it? How are we going to experience it? Being thankful. Psalm 4, verse 8. Now, this is something that I definitely experienced. Psalm 4, verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Lie down to sleep. In peace, I will lie down to sleep. Now, I can testify for, for myself. A lot of times, you know, you lay down at night, and then every issue comes to your mind. Everything that you actually can't do anything about, because when is the, what is the time of day where you can't actually do anything about all of the issues in your life? When you're in bed, you can't actually do anything. You're laying there, you're supposed to be sleeping. We know that sleep is good for us. We know that we're supposed to be resting. It helps our next day be better, right? For any of you, you know, you, you know new parents, you know that those sleepless nights are tough. And then you got to go to work and it's like, you know, you're trying to concentrate. It's a tough way to... So we know sleep is very important. But we lay down to sleep and all of the thoughts come like thorns. And we're laying there trying to fix it in our thought life. And what did we ever accomplish doing that with our sleepless nights? About all of the thorns coming at us, about all of our issues. What did we ever accomplish? Nothing. We just worried. In peace that we would lay down and sleep. It says, for you, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So in those moments when we lay down and the thoughts come, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to redirect our thoughts to the Lord. Sit at his feet. Make the choice that Mary made. Not be the Marthas. That we're just busy, busy in our mind, busy here, busy doing this. And what about this? And what are they going to do? And what are they going to say? And then what am I going to do? And what are they going to choose? And what about the government? And what about the ec- economic situation? And what about this? And what about that? And, what are, and just thorns, thorns, thorns coming at us. In those moments, I'm going to lie down. <laughs> I want God's peace. And sometimes after hours of doing that, I'm like, oh yeah, I actually need to sleep. This is actually kind of a waste of time. This is a fruitless exercise to lay here tormenting myself. In those moments, what is so much of a better thing to do than to sit there and worry is just to pray. And realize that whatever those things are that are coming at my mind, that I'm just going to actually invite God into those moments. Because he, he's the one that's going to make me dwell in safety. He's the one that can do something for me. So in those moments when I lay down... Man, I just want to experience God's peace. Not just know about it. Not just know about calm and tranquility and serenity that I actually want to experience it. God wants us to experience it. We all want to experience it. Matthew chapter 14. There's another story along these lines. Jesus with his disciples and when he goes to walk on the water. So let's read this here in Matthew chapter 14. Verse 25, and it says, In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. 
So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? This is a pretty wild story. Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter, you know, asked kind of a simple question. Hey, Jesus, if that's you, and you tell me to come. And so Jesus is like, okay, come. And so we see that Peter has his eyes on Jesus. As Mary did. And as we're invited to in the Psalms. And as we're invited to let peace rule in our hearts. And so Peter there is, he's looking at Jesus and he's walking towards Jesus. Then what happened? He got distracted by the wind and by the waves. By the wind and by the waves. And that's what our lives are like a lot of times. There's a lot of wind happening, a lot of waves going on. A lot of ups and downs. A lot of this, that, and the other. But what is something constant we can look at? Jesus. Things are going up and down. And see, when when things are going up and down, we know, and if you've ever done it for any extended period of time, if we are going to send our emotions to 10 on the dial every time a wave hits our lives, oh, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Have you ever gone through a season where you kind of maybe just forgot all about the peace of God and it was like this thing and happened and this thing and happened and, and you said to yourself on the inside, I don't know if I can take another thing. And the sad part is more things are coming. Jesus said, we're going to have tribulation. We know that there's waves, but we always have the choice of peace. The scripture The Heavenly Father is inviting us to make the choice of peace that we would keep our eyes on Jesus. The wind and the waves are going to come and it is going to be up and down. But we don't have to let it get on the inside of us. We don't have to let it create turmoil on the inside of us. That we can keep our eyes on Jesus. Another story we'll finish here in a second. In Numbers chapter 21, this is a story relating to the, this first generation, the children of Israel that came through Egyptian bondage. And this, this one, you know, that, there's a couple things that this group is famous for, you know, going through the Red Sea, experiencing this miracle. And then the next thing they're famous for, they're just a bunch of whiners and complainers. I mean, they just don't, they don't like this and they don't like that. And what, well, we should just go back to be slaves in Egypt. And they're just complaining about everything. Numbers 21, verse 4 says this, From the Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food. They're not in a good place, are they? There's no this and that. And they're just loathing. I mean, they literally hate their lives. They hate their circumstances. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many of the people Israel died. 
And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Now, we actually still use this symbol today. You know, people that wear those uh, medic alert bracelets, there's a pole with two snakes wrapping around it. That's where this came from. See, you learn something new. You learn fun facts at church. And that's representative of healing, the story, this, this bronze serpent. Bronze has to do with judgment. And it's a representation of Jesus that the judgment was on Jesus so that we then can experience something different. But here was the thing. As they came to Moses, what was Moses supposed to do? Lift up this serpent on a pole. And everyone was supposed to gaze at the serpent. But could you imagine the scene? There's hundreds of thousands of people children and then there's animals who are getting spooked by these snakes so there's turmoil and there's you know fires getting kicked over and people's tents getting knocked over and people running here and there running away from the snakes and all of the stuff that's going on and in the middle of that situation god tells moses here's what you need to do raise up the serpent then everyone that gazes that watches that fixes their eyes on this serpent will live. And that's the key for our lives. In the middle of the turmoil that's going on around us, in the middle of the tribulation that Jesus said we would experience, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to stop and fix our gaze on him. The prince of peace. The prince of calm. There's going to be stuff happening in and around us we're going to let peace rule on our hearts. We're going to let peace, tranquility rule on the inside of us. Last verse, Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So here's our choice thorns that are coming. Are we going to choose those things? Are we going to choose the stuff that we didn't actually choose a lot of times that comes our way? Or are we going to choose this? You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you that I am going to choose to think about God. I'm going to choose to think about God's goodness and his grace and his love for me so that I can not just know about his peace, that I can actually experience his peace when everything is going crazy in the camp. When people are running around and the crazy stuff is happening, that I'm going to keep my mind stayed on him. And then what does it say? Because he trusts in you. And that's really why we think about him. So that we can put our trust in him well, what's going to happen next week and what's going to happen next year and what's going to happen two years from now? What's going to happen three years from now? What's going to happen four years from now? And all this stuff is going to happen. Things are going to happen. Things are going to go on. Yeah, but so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to think about God and then we're going to put 
our trust in him because he's the one that knows the end from the beginning. I don't actually have to know the end from the beginning. All I need to know is that I can put my trust in him and I can't be taken out of his hand. The scripture says, nobody can pluck you out of God's hand. Man, I can experience his peace and know his peace. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Jesus today that he is the Prince of Peace. And we thank you, Lord, that your presence is right with us all of the time. And in the middle of difficult surroundings, in the middle of crazy stuff going on in our lives, that we can pause and look at you, fix our gaze on you. So we just do that right now, Lord. We just pause in the middle of our busy lives. We pause in the middle of the thorns that might be coming to our thought life about how we're going to make it and what are we going to do and what about this issue and what about that in the middle of those circumstances, Lord. We just put our trust in you. We let peace rule. We let calm rule. We let tranquility rule on the inside of us. We thank you, Lord, that we can breathe in your presence today, that we can breathe in your goodness, that you are with us. The Prince of Peace. We just thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.